Hi everyone, welcome to episode number six of Uncomfortable, the podcast. My name is Debbie Roach and I'm excited to have another comfortable conversation around an uncomfortable topic. In this week's episode, we talk about the male vulnerability issue with Connor Aylwin. After running a summer contracting business in university that employed 12 full-time people and did over $600,000 in revenue, Connor became the founding president of eHub, the University of Alberta's very first student-run incubator space. In 2014, he moved across the country to Toronto to eventually run a division of franchise owners and was responsible for growing that division from 2 to 17 franchisees. During his time in Toronto, Connor had grown his team to become the second largest division in the company, operating over 4.5 million in revenue before eventually moving back across the country. He's now living in Vancouver, is a business advisor with Cultivate Advisors, a small business advisory firm that works with and scales growth stage companies all over North America and Europe. Now, Connor might sound very business-driven, a super successful guy, and he is, but he's also one of the most down-to-earth people I know. And he actually approached me about the topic of male vulnerability. I figured it's someone who's worked their ass off to be the best in their field, but then realised the power of opening up and being vulnerable is definitely worth chatting to. I really hope that you enjoy our conversation and get a lot out of it, but please note that we do use some adult language, so you might want to pop your headphones on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I'm, I really appreciate it because I know this is a very vulnerable topic, pardon the pun. <laughs> um, but I do appreciate the fact that you were willing, and it was actually your suggestion to mm. do this topic and that you were willing to talk about this. So, mm-hmm. again, it's always um, very inspiring to see people come forward and talk about something that is you know, deemed uncomfortable or taboo. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that being said, let's get into it. We are talking about the male vulnerability problem. Yeah. And, you know, my first question is, why is this topic important to you? And why do you see it as an uncomfortable topic? Yeah, no, it's it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a very good question. And uh, when I was... So let's think about the question. I had to really think about, like, my own cognitive dissonance that I've had with it. And, and and why I say that is because I have always consciously known that this is like such an important thing that myself and other friends of mine um, need to do a better job at, at, at showing. But uh, you know, even for me, even though it's, like, it's so, so consciously aware of it, even when uh, I find myself in, in day-to-day interactions, it's really hard to, for, for me to change that behavior in myself. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's one of those ones where it's, 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 uh, I think it's a bigger problem than most people genuinely think it is. And, 
And and also because I mean, if you look at the stats, like there are, you know, males uh, going through rates of depression and, and mm-hmm. suicide, in in numbers that are are just steadily increasing. And you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't I don't pretend to play one. But uh, you know, I, I would strongly argue that it's I think a, a big proponent is because of you know guys just not having the confidence and, mm-hmm. and feeling like they can open up. And so that's that's sort of why I, I, I felt like when you when this topic came up, I'm like, well, I'd be one to think about it, just not because I'm an expert in it, because I'm yeah. you know, someone that certainly loves it. Right? Yeah, no, yeah. and that's awesome. Now, why do you actually think it is a problem? Like, why do you find it so hard? You know, I mean, I know women also feel hard. Mm. It's hard to open up for anybody, yeah. regardless of your gender. But it seems especially so for men. So why, like, what is it that kind of stops you from being able to open up and and be vulnerable? Classical conditioning. Yeah. And and the reason I say classical conditioning is because from I don't know five years old, whenever a kid starts, you know. In school or or in any organized sports, like the message that you get, and and I'm I'm not I don't never I don't know all the guys in the world, and, yeah. But I I do know my experience, and I know that my experience is that at a very young age I've been told to you know man up, mm-hmm. and and to suck it up and don't be a girl or don't be a wuss and and it, it's this and and if you really dissect that it's like okay well what does that mean it means don't show emotion. Mm-hmm. It means, uh, you know, do the hard stuff, and and if you gotta, if you get hurt, like take it on the chin, right? Yeah. And and I I I really think that as that perpetuates, and that just becomes this thing that is, oh, if if I need to be a man, I need to be strong, I need to be this person that has all the answers, or yeah. this 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 hardened individual, then I I really think that that has a long-term effect that we're now really starting to see, mm-hmm. you know, as generations are getting older and, yeah. and that's become a, a cultural thing for quite some time. So I, that's yeah. why I think it's, it is where it's become or where it really comes from. So. How does it feel when someone tells you to man up? Like, how do you react? There's probably the part of you who wants to man up, yeah. but then I'm sure there's another side. Well... I know how I feel, and mm-hmm. when I hear that, my feeling is, uh, okay, I'm basically going to show about 50% of who I am. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, when somebody tells me to man up, it's simply show the, the, the masculine traits of yourself, yeah. and if you feel sad, or if you feel upset, or if you feel like you don't want to do something that, that your buddies are wanting to do, that you... Uh, it doesn't matter. Like you just, you, you, you be a man and you just yeah. do it anyways. Right. And so that's, that's what it means to me. And, but you know, the general term of when I think you know, somebody is, is, you know, needs to man up, I think of it as being like, um, sort of what I said before, like a hardened individual, they gotta be, you know, rough. They need to be, um, you know, they have to work out. Like if you, if you're to think of, you know, this, the, the, the personification of a manly man mm-hmm. in, in Western society, you think of somebody who is, Big, tall, strong, successful, yeah. making a bunch of money, is a provider, yeah. doesn't deal, doesn't really have a lot of problems. There's somebody who has all the answers. Yeah. And that's just so not 
genuine, right? Yeah. Like it's something it's not that, real. It's it's, yeah. it's not something that like sure there's a small subset subset of the population that has you know is emotionless and can just yeah. you know go through life you know checking boxes and and that's great, but that's not realistic. And mm-hmm. so I think. Uh, 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 you know, when you think about like this, this idea of going back to what I was saying, like this, you know, what it means when you say like man up or be a man, it's, it's like show all the good stuff and, and how you are, how you should act. And it's almost this short sighted approach and it even comes into things like, you know, if you're out with your buddies drinking, it's like man up, like just mm-hmm. take the shot. And, and I'm like, well, no, I don't really enjoy this. Right. But there's somehow it's like, if you if you don't take a shot, the bar in one example, then somehow you're less of a man. Yeah. And I'm like, that's it's it's this short sightedness that I think perpetuates it for some yeah for some reason. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. Have you ever just when someone said to you, "Oh, man up, whatever, take the drink or do this," have you ever just want to be like? No, fuck that. I just want to go and cry. You know, like, is, or, you know, express some other emotion. I don't want to man up. Why do I have to? Have you ever just been like, eh, no, I'm not going to? Yeah, yeah, no. It, I mean, it depends on the situation, obviously. Yeah. Um, I, I think in, in, a, in a work setting, uh, I would just go, okay, yeah, yeah just I'll, I'll mm. do what I need to do. Uh, in a personal setting, Certainly, there's times where, and as I've matured and 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 gotten my own my own confidence and legs under mm-hmm. me, I've I've certainly been more willing to just say no, like I I'm not gonna do this, or, and and, yeah. and no, like I don't really care if I'm less of a man. But at a younger age, like high school years, for sure, like that would not have been something that I, I would have been able to say. Yeah. So. It, I mean, it's a bit situational, but yeah. still, still the thing. Fair enough. Um, tell us about a time where you have either failed at something or felt a lot of shame. And how did you actually feel without, you know, having to put that manly persona on that everything is okay? Like, mm. can you explain a little bit maybe the emotions that you actually would go through? <laughs> so you want me to be like, vulnerable right now? Yeah, yeah. I want okay. you to be vulnerable, please. Like, what? What did you hide? What feelings did you hide? Yeah. Um, there was well. There's a, so there's a personal one and then there's a professional. So I'll go to the mm-hmm. professional first. So uh, I guess you gotta kind of know my background a bit to understand why this would be a bit of a th- issue. But um, I grew up like in university. Well, more so in high school, I was uh, a straight-A student and Mm -hmm. did fairly well in school and was always involved in sports. And I played high-level hockey growing up, and that was sort of my my life. And I got good grades, didn't really need to try, and and then went to university and and got into business. And it was always challenging, but I always did quite well when Mm -hmm. I I had my own contracting company. And then uh, then I started like a startup incubator. So... That all that stuff was was challenging, it was good, but it I always did quite well. And so, why I bring that up was then I got asked to move to Toronto, and uh, and and took on a role where I had to grow a division of franchise owners from from two to to eventually when I left more than that. But the first year I I was in that role, it was really hard. Mm-hmm. And not so much the move. Like I was around 
you know, friends of mine and, 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 and that wasn't usually, I think for most people moving across country, that'd be a big challenge. And yeah. it just so happenstance, I got lucky and that wasn't an issue. But the bigger one was it, a lot of the skills that I had, I was very good at just working really hard and being able to you know, get stuff done on my own. And in that role, I couldn't just go do it. I had to go and, and lead through a layer of people and like manage mm-hmm. and, and influence others and, uh, you know, in, in a healthy and positive way. But uh, we didn't do well. Mm-hmm. And I, I had this expectation of, of, of really, uh, I, I mean, gone through life being, you know, fairly successful in most of the things that I'd done. And then that was the first time I feel like I really failed at something. And it was a, it wasn't a small thing. Like it was a very big thing. And the bigger thing was that like my identity, I felt was always tied, or rather my happiness was always tied to an external circumstance. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I did well in I made a certain team in hockey, and therefore I was you know a good athlete. Yeah. And I did I got good grades in school, so therefore I was a smart person. Or I did well in business, so therefore you know I was a good, good business, business owner. Person, yeah. And so when you have it always tied to these external factors, then when I actually didn't do well, like, I, I, there was this identity crisis of mm-hmm. going, like, well, like, th- this is what I'm supposed to be good at. Mm-hmm. I just really ate shit, yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better word. Can we swear on this? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really ate shit hard, and, and, and it was... This feeling of, like, I, I couldn't... I remember thinking that, man, I can't even tell my boss. I can't even tell my friends because they know me as the guy who is mm-hmm. always so doing well in the things that yeah. I've tried and, and worked hard at. And so that first year, I, it's funny because, I mean, we did fine. Like, there wasn't... Yeah. Like, in retrospect, obviously, but at the wasn't time... I, you know, I didn't, I had these really high, unreasonable expectations for myself that I had no business setting because I didn't know the role that I was getting into as well as I obviously do now. And so, so that was one that like that, that feeling of, of loneliness. And it's, it's funny because as I've gone older, I realized that had I reached out to people, like they would have been there to support me and they would have really cared. But in the time, like for sure uh, it, being the that being the guy and mm-hmm. being the you know this idea of like being a successful businessman with your chest pumped out pumped yeah. out i yeah i i i felt really super embarrassed mm. and it's i mean i think it's now it's obviously it sounds silly and people are probably listening to this and going like really that's the one <laughs> thing you know and and i i understand that um but that was that was really tough for me for yeah. sure and the other one is, um, so the first one is actually in, when I was in high school, I, uh, I broke my neck and uh, I got, I was playing hockey and I got hit from behind and, and, uh, and I just went head first in the boards and had a C7 burst fracture. And so I had to have a spinal fusion done to fuse my C6 and C7 together. And um, that was, again, the same sort of thing where my identity and happiness as a as a person and you know for the sake of the conversation as a as a man mm-hmm. was filtered around being a good at that age really good hockey player yeah and that's i just put so much so much weight on that part of my life that as soon as that got taken away from me for you know albeit a season yeah 
I am, I mean, there's this one side where you're having to, you know, make face amongst all your friends in high school. It's a very impressionable age, very clicky yeah. age. But on the same time, I mean, I, that was like, it was like you lost, it was like losing, you know, your job now. It's like. How old were you? I was 14. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you think about, you know, somebody is not able to play a sport now. It's, I mean, they still have a lot of other things, but at that age, like that. That was, was kind of your, your life. Yeah. 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 yeah so, like, the feelings that I had at that point were, were again, this intense sense of loneliness because, mm-hmm. I mean, one, you just naturally feel isolated because of the fact that you have this injury that most people don't ever go through. Yeah. But more importantly, the fact is that I, I couldn't. The bigger one was that I couldn't share. I felt as though I couldn't share how I was actually feeling to yeah. friends and family because I just thought, oh, they don't. I don't want to burden them with the feelings because oh. I need to suck yeah. it up myself. So you never spoke to anyone about it until obviously later in life. Uh, yeah. I, I. It's funny. I don't even know if my parents know this. Like, I don't oh, know wow. if my parents. Yeah. So they actually be listening to this and be like, what? <laughs> yeah. No. I. It was hard. I'm sure they got a pretty good sense that I was yeah. struggling, but I, I've never really, even, even to this day, I don't know if I've ever really talked about that. Uh, well, thank you <laughs> that for, uh, for that, uh, sharing that exclusive on sure. uh, on here. And um, I'm pretty sure your parents probably picked up on it. Sure. Yeah, but, oh yeah me too. Yeah, definitely. Sure. So to kind of maybe fast forward to now when you're a bit more, you know, hopefully mature mm-hmm. and ready to open up. Uh, can you talk about any experience you've had where you've had the courage to kind of open up to someone, mm. be vulnerable, and how that felt? Like, what was the good thing? What was, was there anything that mm-hmm. didn't feel so good or didn't go quite as mm-hmm. you would have hoped? Mm-hmm. Well, so uh, I can certainly talk about my uh, uh uh, well, there's just two things that come to mind, and, and one is I don't know how happy she'd be with me sharing this, but some of my girlfriend, mm-hmm. and uh, and one of the things that she's been an incredible uh, blessing in my life, and I'm not religious, but yeah. she's been a really you know, great blessing in my life because she is somebody who's really f- you know by virtue of being together like really forced me to be a lot more vulnerable mm-hmm. and and just. Vulnerable in the sense of, like, if I have a bad day, like, just being, like, straight up about it and not feeling like I need to always just, like, have my stuff together. Yeah. And so I find that it doesn't need to be, like, these major things. Like, I don't necessarily feel like I have, like, you know, major problems in my life where I, I'm, I'm dealing with this internal dissonance that mm-hmm. is, this, you know, crazy deep. But it's it's more even just, like, if I'm happy about something or if I'm sad about something or if I'm if she does something that makes me a bit upset, like me just communicating it naturally yeah. is something that has really benefited the relationship and just me and her having a, a relationship that I, I feel is I'm very proud of and I, yeah. I feel as though it's very strong. Um, it was not that way to begin with. And I, I chuckle because that's on me. It's not on her. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, I didn't have the ability to, to share even how I felt about her. Oh, like, wow. mm-hmm. Because I just had this persona and this think this thinking that I'm like, I needed to just be a bit you know, cold and and play and cool. Play cool, exactly, yeah. and and that was wrong, and and it, it just comes from this this reaffirmation of like you know being in the business world and being an yeah. athlete. And can we just reiterate that to all of the men on Tinder 
right now you're like you did not have to play it cool <laughs> yeah exactly you really don't <laughs> well you'd, you'd be a better spokesman <laughs> yeah. of that than i would so i'll defer that to you, but. <laughs> you don't. yeah no it's funny it's like wow if i actually like share and say i'm like you know i i i think she's the most beautiful girl i've ever met in my life oh. and so it's uh it's it's funny i'm like there's this weird moment where i'm like i'd be weird if i share that but i'm like <laughs> i share it now and yeah. she's like oh like like gets happy and i'm like oh i should do this more often yeah <laughs> as opposed awesome. to feeling like i need to play it cool so yeah but and then there's also i mean i can give a number of of professional instances where you know i've been upset at you know there's an instance where i was upset at the colleague at work and and i actually at, at, this happened fairly recently where I, I normally I'm always, I try to show that you know, everything's fine and I just put up with things that maybe you know, okay, or not mm-hmm. so okay with just because I don't want to be a nuisance and I just want to like, again, sh- save face and show that I yeah. am someone that they can rely on. And, uh, and so I actually voiced my concerns to the, my superior in a respectful way. And, uh, and it was actually like they they validated it, and there's some like changes that are probably going to mm. come down the pipe because of what I voiced. And it was just a matter of like, again, just sharing how I naturally felt about a specific yeah. situation. And three years ago, there's no way, there's yeah. no way I would have done that. And and so I think now, the the benefit or the outcome is that I just in a professional instance is not again not as important as the, the first example, but um, it'll just be a better quality of of my job just yeah. because of what I shared. So Definitely. Any times where you've kind of shared and it's not gone down well? Um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, I was thinking about this beforehand and I, I don't know. I, I, there's certainly been times where I've shared something openly and the outcome hasn't been good, but I don't necessarily mm-hmm. know if it's because of, being vulnerable and sharing Mm. it's more of it's just accelerated a decision or an outcome that was going to happen anyways okay so you generally find when you are more vulnerable you're more open that the the reaction of the other person or people is positive yeah like i it's as i was actually telling people about this Mm -hmm. podcast and the topic we're covering today every single person was like wow that's amazing which is you know, good job. Yeah. But <laughs> thank you for the topic suggestion. No, no, no. But but it was it was funny because I think it's this thing that we all want to talk about. Yeah. But yet doesn't uh, doesn't get surfaced for whatever reason. So. Yeah. 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 But if you know you do open up, it tends to be you know a decent reaction from the other person. Oh, yeah. They understand it's it's weird that we're so scared mm-hmm. to be open and be vulnerable and you mm-hmm. know. When mm-hmm. really there's nothing to no. worry about too much. Now, um, I had mentioned this to you before. I've been watching some YouTube videos, uh, a lot of a few TED Talks out there mm-hmm. on uh, men and vulnerability. And one in particular was uh, by a guy from David Hatfield, who is Vancouver-based. Mm-hmm. Folks and runs uh, Manology Vancouver. So I think oh. it's retreats for men, really interesting. And he actually referred to... Some research, I think that it was Brenny Brown had done, where um, a lot of men had come forward and said, you know, my my wife, my girlfriend, my partner, they want me to be more open and more vulnerable. So, but when I am, they hate it. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought that was fascinating. And at the same time, I kind of understood why. <laughs> um, because I've been in a situation you know, years back if I was with a guy and they were really sick or they were just, you know, kind of couldn't do anything. I got really annoyed because I feel like there was that primal instinct in me where, you know, you're the man, you're the person who's supposed to take care of me, yet you're kind of acting this way. And I felt very uncomfortable with it. Mm. Obviously now, many years later, I've gone over that. But I kind of could understand where that research came from mm. because I kind of used to be that person, that, that you know, partner who mm. was like, come on, man up, you take the garbage out because that's the man's <laughs> job. Um, so, like, I don't know, how do you feel about that? Is that a surprise mm. to you? Have you ever come across that reaction? Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess I can understand both sides. I, mm-hmm. I when I... My initial reaction to, you know, a study by Brene Brown saying that women actually don't like that outcome, I I am actually surprised by that because every or most women that I talk to uh, will say that this is such a big problem mm-hmm. and that men need to be more vulnerable. Yeah. So then my question is, well, okay, what's then the actual problem? And so mm-hmm. I would say that again, it. it boils down to there's really some poor expectations that have been set. Yeah. And I think it's expectations, whether it's, you know, you start something in a relationship and a person's acting a certain way, you set an expectation and then if that changes, they act a different way, the expectation then is is, is different from what the current situation is. Yeah. And so that that may cause a bit of distress, which I can understand that. I think that's with mm-hmm. anything. And, and I guess maybe that can apply to vulnerability. Um, but then also just like the expectations that I think most people have around how guys need to act, mm-hmm. which is a bigger societal expectation Definitely. that I think is is a, a really serious problem, I believe. Yeah. Um, what do you think could be done to to change that? Um, <laughs> that's a very good question. I think this this we have to look at. Uh, how kids are getting raised mm. and and more importantly in a school environment in organized sports yes. I think so I actually I coach kids hockey mm-hmm. and there are these kids are 12 yeah 12 and one of the things I'm very very aware of is I'll never tell any of my guys to oh man up or yeah. you know don't be a wuss because that is, I think, really toxic to, if, if they really get thinking that I associate, you know, manlyhood with being aggressive or, or yeah. having to, um, to, you know, uh, conduct myself in any specific way associated with that, and that's associated with, you know, society's perception of manlyhood. I think it really just, like, starts with uh, how we speak to kids. Yeah. And, I mean, there's this whole... You know how media represents you know men and women in that mm. regard. I don't want to make it seem like it's, it's a, a woe is woe is us conversation. But it, I mean, it's definitely kind of you know both. Like even for for parents, there was the traditional roles mm-hmm. of you know the man being the um, the person who went out, made the sure. money, came back, looked after the family, whereas the woman stayed home. She was a nurturer. She raised the kids. She made the dinner. Blah blah blah. And, you know, we're moving away from those. Thankfully. Um, still some work to do but uh, I think just you know for 
for parents to kind of have more, I don't know, gender neutral roles, if that makes more sense, like doing both tasks yeah. and, and in schools, especially like I remember um, the girls, we had to knit one session and the guys got to play football or soccer, yeah. sorry, Canadians. Um, <laughs> so they were out playing soccer and we had to knit. Like, why? There was probably girls who wanted to go out. So even just things like that, hopefully that doesn't... I'm going back a few years, so hopefully sure. that doesn't happen so much anymore. Yeah, and I think you're seeing that uh, come into play. Like, actually, there's a couple you know, girls on the, on the so- uh, hockey team that I coach mm-hmm. right now. And I think it's... But it's funny because I, I think you'll see... Uh, I'm... I don't. I don't think it's doom and gloom. I think that there's yeah. a lot of good strides we're making to 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 solve this because the way that I see things and the way that I approach situations like that is I don't I don't look at the the, the female on this on this hockey team. I don't look at her and go, oh, sh- she's a girl. Oh, okay, she's yeah. like limited by specific things. I'm like, no, she's just a player on the team, team that has member. the ability to play the game. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if I said this to you in a previous conversation, but uh, I actually work with the most female entrepreneurs in my current role uh, out of anyone oh, in wow. the firm. Yeah. And I, and I, somebody brought this to my attention. I, this is not something I'm proud of, yeah. or, or didn't even notice. I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. And one of my colleagues asked me, uh, and this is, it doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter what the name is, but. Um, Let's let's call them Bob. So Bob asked me. There's no one at the firm named Bob, but, <laughs> yeah, but okay. someone Bob, Bob Bob asked me. So how do you work with so many female entrepreneurs? And I was just floored because I had to stop and think. And I was the only answer I could muster was, until you don't need to ask me that question, you'll have your answer. Yeah. Because I don't look at it in a. Gen, I don't look at somebody and say, oh, you're female, therefore I need to speak to you this way. Yeah. And there's probably feminists out there that are screaming at me right now, and that's fine, but I, I don't, in in my mind, I I go, if you're competent, you have the ability to do the job, I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your gender is. Who your gender is, and this is not, I don't want to, I, I got to be careful here because I don't want this to dive into like a, a gender discussion, yeah. but I think it's it's more that way of thinking, and, and, and it needs to perpetuate a lot of other things, such as, you know, sports or, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, you know, like physique or style, right? And there's this all, like, there's always going to be, I think, a bit of, uh, I don't think it's it's reasonable to say that there's not ever going to be some, some gender norms. Yeah. But I think just not having to perpetuate only the good stuff and accepting that, like, both genders have some, some, I don't want to even say, I don't think it's a flaw, but... Differences? No, differences. But even, like, you know, being able to share emotions as a guy. Like, that shouldn't be stigmatized as being non-male. Like, I don't want to see men as defined as their masculine characteristics and women defined by their feminine characteristics. And that's... I I do think that we're we're moving in the right direction. I don't think it's perfect right now. But but I, I think, you know, to circle back to your original conversation, it's it's at a young age beginning to speak in terms of addressing actions that are not associated with the gender that you're coming from mm-hmm. i think that is the more important thing so if somebody you know let's let's use the example of uh any sport let's say it's yeah. football or 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 hockey and let's say someone is you know we always use the term in if there's any non-canadians 
listening, they use the term dogging it. And dogging it means that you're like being quite lazy. So okay, yeah, I that's also a UK term. Okay. Yes. Okay. So good. I get it. I get it. Yeah. And so if somebody's dogging it, then uh, I know there's coaches that have said, "Stop being such a wuss. Stop. Be a man, and mm-hmm. you know, pick it up." And so instead, instead of saying, be a man, pick it up, I'll say to, to the kids that I coach, uh, I'm like, hey, you aren't trying as hard as I know that you can, so can you please work harder? And it's not associating it to yeah. being a man or not. It's simply I have a higher belief in you, yeah. so therefore you need to do better. Yeah, So that's, that's awesome. So just to wrap it up, any different resources that you have turned to that you could possibly share with our listeners? Mm-hmm. Um, I will post the link to David Hatfield's website sure. and his uh, TED Talk, but if there's anything that you feel has kind of inspired you to, to move into a more mm-hmm. vulnerable space, yeah, I'd love if you could share them. And I'll add them to the show notes. Yeah, sure. Uh, there's two. One most people may know of and one that's unorthodox so man talks is another one that mm-hmm. is a is a good collective they run a mastermind group they also run uh, public speaking events that are geared towards guys and it's not some male chauvinist meetup mm-hmm. it's it's talking about topics like this yeah and that was my first fear when i first saw man talks but yeah i was proven wrong so it's good uh and the other one is actually uh i have this goal of being a pretty pretty big public speaker okay and the reason I bring this up is because I will watch people that do talks and I'll start to analyze their talks and I think about like what makes a good talk and mm-hmm. really what's good dialogue and how do, we, how do they speak about a specific topic. And I found that the most engaging speakers that I've watched have always added a piece where they've shown vulnerability mm-hmm. and I've been then way more engaged mm. in those talks specifically as opposed to somebody that doesn't. And so, which is really interesting for me. And so I don't know if that's a resource that I, there's not one that necessarily I, that comes to mind right now mm-hmm. that, that I could you know forward somebody to, but I would encourage other people to, to do the same as like, if you were to, let's say you had a goal of wanting to you know, do more public speaking or, or be a, become a better public speaker Generally, the best people and, and what people are more interested in hearing are stories that involve you having to be a bit vulnerable. Yeah. And that's been something that I've, I've constantly reminded myself of. And, and as I always strive to be a bit more engaging with the, the, the clients that I work with and in my own pursuit of becoming you know, more of a public speaker, that's... That's been something that I've I've hold dear, which is why I agreed to do this talk. Awesome. Well, I'm really <laughs> glad that you agreed. Hey, if you think of any other resources, feel free to send them my sure. way, and I can definitely post them. Sure. Um, but thanks so much, Connor. This has been awesome. I really mm. appreciate you sharing your stories and being mm. vulnerable. No Thank worries. You. No worries. Thanks Thank for having you. me. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening. I really hope that you learned something or had an aha moment or even decided to open up and be vulnerable. Feel free to connect with Connor over on his Instagram at businessadvisor.yvr or on his LinkedIn profile, and I'll post that in our show notes. If you enjoyed our conversation, then feel free to let us know in the comments section over on our website, uncomfortable.blog, or on any of our social media channels. 
We're on Facebook and Instagram at uncomfortable.blog and on Twitter at uncomfy underscore podcast. And remember that you can support our podcast by signing up to be a patron and pledging a small $5 per month so that we can keep on running. For more information on donating, visit uncomfortable.blog forward slash donate. Thanks again for listening to Uncomfortable the Podcast. Now go forth, my friends, and get uncomfortable.